You're listening to the Food and Fitness Podcast, the show about all things related to food and fitness. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at food.fitnesspodcast. We're your hosts, Jackie Vandertoon, Jessica White, and Dave Marshall. On today's episode, we are joined by Tara Imerson. Tara is a personal trainer for both land and water, as well as a consultant for weight management. She's been a fitness instructor since 1991, having worked in both Toronto and Orangeville, and now works independently. She not only trains individuals, but is an athlete herself, having recently returned from the World Kettleball Championships in Budapest, Hungary, bringing home the gold medal for Canada. On top of her athleticism, Tara is also an artist, having graduated from Sheridan College's program in technical illustration. Welcome, Tara. We are super excited that you are here, and we're so excited to be able to chat with you today. However, uh, I'm just going to go right into the discussion because I know I want to know, and I'm sure Dave and Jess want to know as well, how does it feel to bring home the gold in the World Kettleball Championships? Well, there are many gold medals that are won at uh, the uh, International Union of Kettlebell Lifters uh, in Budapest, and I just won one of them. So it was a very euphoric experience to be part of Team Canada as a whole, to represent my country at an international level as a veteran. It goes beyond just your performance as an individual, but contributing to the placing and the representation of the team as a whole. So all around the team experience itself was a fabulous experience. You are way too humble. Uh, I don't have a gold medal. Uh, Tara or Jess, Dave, I don't know how many you guys have. So, you know, I remember the Canada Fitness Test. Do you remember those as a kid? I was a bronze badge that they gave out to everybody I don't think I did very well at it oh. but you yeah know. so you can change <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome and inspirational Tara uh I had no idea about this sport until I actually started seeing it on Facebook when you were posting things can you tell us what uh, kettlebell competitions are and how did you get into this sport well um there's kettlebell, uh, a lot of people are familiar with what's called hardstock kettlebell, which is often what's done in a lot of fitness classes and CrossFit and things like that. Kettlebell sport is um, international. It's been around a long time more in Europe. It's pretty new to North America and it goes beyond gym training. We use specific competition bells that are all the same. They're a consistent size. They're a consistent shape regardless of the weight. So as you train, the weight never changes size or shape. Um, And then there are specific lifts. There are three lifts. One's called snatch, long cycle, otherwise known as clean and jerk in some circles. And um, one arm long cycle for women and two arm long cycle for men. And then the last lift is, is jerk. Then there's another event, uh, which is biathlon, and that is two lifts. So you can do, um, so you do jerk and you do snatch and they combine the points together. Now, those are the lifts um, and all lifts are a 10 minute set. That's what the challenge is. 
So if you think about in your regular gym class and you're doing 20 reps and you think, oh my gosh, I'll never get through this. Think about lifting for 10 minutes nonstop. The same weight. The same weight. So you perform as many reps as you can. You get to switch hands once only. And um, then you can't switch back to the other hand. So one switch. So sometimes it's five minutes each side. And but it may be up to the person. I generally go four minutes with my weaker side and six minutes with my longer with my stronger side. Um, Your competition will be with someone who is in the same body weight category as you lifting the same bell weight as you and they'll be in your same age group that's why i'm a at 57 i'm a veteran <laughs> so so i had initially uh trained in hard style which uses the different bells and it's more about the routines and the fitness and it's it tends to be a little less goal oriented so i wondered you know so i i can do these kettlebells but you know, where, where are we going with this? You know, um, runs, we have races and that. So um, I found, I uh, discovered the Canadian Kettlebell Alliance and that they were doing kettlebell sport. Um, then I found a trainer in Ottawa, Lisa Killa Patel, and she coached me. And uh, I just fell in love with it. I loved the thrill of it. And after becoming certified, I teach kettlebell sport as well. I love to introduce it to clients. Um, It's an exceptional physical challenge. That is awesome. So So much I'm learning right now. Yeah, no kidding. Like I'm seeing, like, is it similar to Olympic lifting? Like you're talking about the clean and jerk and the snatch. So I'm seeing two bars. Right. So men will use two bells and women will use one. Okay, so in those traditional lifts, it is similar. And similar, um, so in Olympic lifting, the plates are all the same size. So the bells are all the same size in um, kettlebell sports as well. Yeah. Wow. How did you go about representing Canada? Like what, what process did you come through or go through in order to say wear Canadian uh, or Canada on your back? So um, the CKA, the Canadian Kettlebell Alliance, hosts um, uh, a national um, competition every spring. And uh, kettlebell sport is fairly young in Canada. So it's not like we have regional um, competitions that then you go to national. You can go straight to nationals if you want. We do have small competitions around, but they, they don't, you can still go to nationals if you want. And then there's an international ranking system. And if you make um, uh, your ranking um, at the nationals, then you could be invited by Team Canada to represent. And I was fortunate enough to be part of it. Uh, I have been really fortunate that I have been part of medical teams for Canada. And honestly, there is nothing more prideful for me than wearing Canada on my back. Um, it is. Yes. It's, it's, I, I wear it with pride knowing that, you know, I'm helping to represent my Canada, but I'm not an athlete, which is, which is amazing. So you are really, I want to say lucky because it's not luck. It's hard work. That's got you there. So well done. Well done for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Shifting gears a little, can we chat a little about your career as a personal trainer? 
Um, can you share with us how you decided to become a personal trainer? Sure. Yes. And it's, it's exciting this year because this is my 30th year as a fitness professional and um, still excited about what I do. Um, and I had never intended to go into this business. So my original intention was just temporary. Um, Jackie had mentioned I'd gone, I'd gone to Sheridan College for illustration. So I'd been working as a technical illustrator doing architectural rendering. When the recession of 1991 hit, and there was no work in my field. I was working for some of the best architects and there was no work in my field. I'd been a regular at the gym and I was there all the time. And I decided to pursue teaching fitness classes for the time being to get me over, you know, this, this period in our economy. Um, and then I, it seemed natural to me. And I never really left it. And I just kept getting more certifications and more qualifications and expanding my skills. Um, and then, uh, so I started with the Toronto Parks and Rec as a fitness instructor there. And then clients were asking me to develop programs for them. So then I became a trainer and uh, I now teach a variety of classes focusing on resistance training, weightlifting, TRX, kettlebell sport, which we talked about. Uh, privately, I do aquafit for people. Uh, and I introduced them to SUP. That's another passion, which is stand up paddleboarding. Um, and then one of my specialties is weight management and then healthy back mobility and strength. So I've covered a lot in the years. So I can help you with pretty much anything. That's amazing. I like how you say that you fell naturally into it, but you kept doing it because you're passionate about it. Yes. Um, so what is it that, what is it about training people that you love so much? Well, I love guiding clients to their own personal goals To It's, it's not when, when you train, it's not about the trainer at all. Um, it's about the client's personal goals and helping them to, whether it's helping them to improve their mobility achieving a healthy body composition, heal from an injury or introduce them to a new activity just for fun and activity and social. It's amazing. Um, what do you want people to know about personal training and hiring a personal trainer from the perspective of someone who has never hired one before? Okay, that's a good, that's a good question. So be very clear with your trainer about your goals because they're using that information to build a plan for you. Be realistic about um, what you're going for. Is it a realistic time frame you're asking as well? Can you can you commit to a schedule? Um, do you have the budget for this? Um, and then always consult first with the trainer to ensure. Um, it's a good fit and you both know what you're getting into referrals are a great place to start ask other people who they've trained with what their goals were how the trainer works see um, one when you get a consult then um, usually a trainer well in my case I'll do that at no charge and then you can if you don't like what you hear you can walk away and likewise, if I feel you're not being realistic, I, I'm not shy about 
saying that, right? Because we want success for everybody. Yeah. I think that that's important to be like open-minded and just have that connection with whoever you're, whoever you're hiring, right? Because it is kind of at a personal level and it it is good to be. It's called personal training and it is very personal and you have to put your trust in them. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're coming into uh, personal training, just diving into deeper, what uh, Jess said there. Um, So like, what are the, what are the benefits that a personal trainer could bring rather than kind of just using uh, a poster or a YouTube video? Um, Well, your trainer has, uh, well, depending on who you, you go with um, your, your trainer has years of experience. Usually Um, they'll, they'll, they'll set up a plan for you. So they'll take the guesswork out of figuring out what you want to do to achieve your goals. They'll make a timed plan that's specific to your needs and your abilities, and it'll all be laid out. Um, Some trainers such as myself can also help you with your nutrition, whether your goal is weight loss or whether it's just properly fueling for the sport, for the goal of what you're trying to achieve. Um, a trainer may also, uh, be the next stage after you've gone through either physiotherapy or convincing a chiropractor for an injury. And now you want to, uh, ease yourself back into what you're doing, but there's a link missing there that you need to get yourself safely back into what you were doing or even your everyday life. Um, a trainer keeps you accountable. They keep you on track and they're constantly working towards progression and towards that end goal. They try to do things very measured um, and keep you motivated at the same time. A lot of times, uh, you know, we're told, you know, stay physical or I think a lot of slogans that uh, Canadians can be used to is uh, keep fit and have fun. It's something that we've heard around for years, right? but a lot of the times you hear it so often that it can kind of get muted or it goes into the back of your mind. But what are the real benefits that someone can take from having a personal trainer um, keeping them physically active? Um, well, the benefits um, are, are um, as far as keeping them active, the physical activity is beyond beneficial, but crucial for your well-being and health both physical and mental. We could eliminate a lot of ailments, um, uh, reduce a lot of ailments people live with when they choose to embrace a permanent uh, active lifestyle. Uh, It sometimes seems challenging to reach those people. You say there's a lot of buzzwords in the community, um, but those who do actually embrace physical fitness, they lead to a a fuller life of greater mobility, strength, stress release, ability to take on adventures in life, activities, expand their social life, extend the length of their life and the quality of their life. I think something uh, that we can all really take away from that is uh, the reduction of stress. And I think a lot of people have been cooped up in their house and they didn't know what to do. And, um, you know, maybe that's why you couldn't find uh, gym equipment anywhere. Like, you go on it Amazon, sold out. You went into websites, it was sold out. You go into Canadian Tire, everything was sold out. And next thing you know, people are making like, I'm selling dumbbells made of poured concrete. Like, yeah, they're everywhere. Just people wanted to get moving, get off yeah. the couch and get that stress reduced, right? Yes, 
yes, cooped up yeah. with the same people all the time too. Yes, <laughs> fresh face is always nice. Yes, yes. Uh, recently, we actually spoke uh, spoke with Matt Miller, and um, he brought up the fact that physical activity is really important in children for injury prevention. So, kind of starting a good foundation. Now, does physical activity impact different people in a different way? And if you're looking at physical activity, should a male approach it differently than maybe a female would? Um, it depends on what they're experiencing. Uh, I think for both sex, sexes, um, there's a lot of commonality. Um, the only thing different I find between uh, a lot of men and women is uh, women tend to take on the role of looking after everybody else first. And they often uh, put themselves last. And more and more women are realizing if uh, mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. And so they have to look after their own um, uh, mental and physical health before they can be there for their family. Now, both men and women, um, it will help reduce stress much, much more and help them with this, be a good role model for their family. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot of change other than that whole point about priorities. That's where I have seen in my years of experience. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I don't treat men and women that much differently unless they come to me with individual things they're, they're looking to, uh, whether it's working with menopause, whether it's working with joint issues, whether it's working with the back issue, um, a sports injury. Um, but, um, yeah, I tend not to try and put people in too many, uh, cliched, uh, situations. I like that you use a lot of words of individual and, um, you know, you don't, you try not to put everyone in the same box, which is great because you really are, catering to each one of your individual clients as individual clients and not using a blanket statement. Obviously, I mean, some things you can, you know, you yeah. know, let's start running and that's good for everybody. But I mean, you're, you're working everything for each of your clients. And I respect that. That's great. It's called personal training because it's personal. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, Tara, and, and, you know, Dave, you asked earlier on, why can't we just go to YouTube videos? Well, a YouTube video is the same for everybody. You know, it doesn't take into consideration my lifestyle. So I assume, Tara, that's something that you take into consideration that I've got, and I don't, but I'm making this up. I've got four kids at home. I work full time. You know, my husband works late at night. And how am I going to get exercise in when I'm doing this, 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 and this? I barely have time to have a shower in the morning. So, and that's looking at the reality and making a plan and uh, figuring, figuring it out. And everybody's got their own situation. Mm -hmm. So just expanding on Dave's question just a little bit, because you did mention a little bit about the mental side of um, physical education or just being active. Um, why, what do you think, why do women come to see you for the personal training and what changes do you notice not just the physical, but more of the, the social and emotional side with exercise? Oh, well, I've found that it has empowered so many women to do things that they never thought they could do before. 
And then they take that out with them into life and try new things. And they may be small things. They may be just making different decisions. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really um, empowering to see them um, go places they never thought they would. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that empowering women. Uh, that makes my heart sing. Absolutely. Yeah. Tara, you and I, and I don't know if we're, at, we're older than the average population, but certainly amongst the four of us here, you and I are a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we spend time looking at the importance of physical activity for younger people. But you know, as you get into your, and we're not old, I'm 51, you said you're 57. So it's not like we're in our twilight years, but no. you know, kids are moving on. How important is physical activity for an older population? Well, it's, it's not just important, it's vital. Um, I've always said, I'm actually not a fan of the quote, life is short, eat the cake. Why am I not a fan of that? Because actually life isn't short these days we live longer lives and we want quality in our life so how do we get quality in our life by looking after ourselves or a superior quality of life in your retirement and before that and beyond activity will enable your mobility to continue to do all the physical things you wish to do perhaps even to try new things eating well and moving uh, will aid you in keeping pain-free while you do these things and limit your need for medication. So you can't let your age limit what you want to do. I, I love that. And I'm going to assume when you're older and you can do things, it goes back to that empowering again. I never thought at 50 whatever or 60 or 70 that I would be able to do X. Um, I'm assuming that that goes in there. And that's the beauty, I'm guessing, of physical activity that you've seen is those changes that take place, not just the physical, because we focus on the physical, but those other changes that take place. It's back to the empowerment of being able to do things. You know, um, I'll go surfing in the Caribbean and uh, there's, there's people out there, maybe not a lot, but there's surfers in their 70s. And that's so cool to see. And at the kettlebell competition, there were there were participants in their 70s, international competitors at the age of 70. When you go, uh, I think we've met on cross-country ski trails too. Um, and you'll see people ski late into their... So you want to keep your mobility so you can do all these things and live a really full, fun quality of life. I I love it. One of my favorite t-shirts I own. In fact, I I wore it out. Uh, It said exercise and in the exercise is medicine. And I I literally wore it out because I wore that t-shirt everywhere. Um, We know, and it's often publicized, particularly amongst moms with school age kids or whatever, there's lots of barriers. And we talked about that just a little bit. But as you get older, like, for example, my kid's 16 and 18. So really, one of them's in first year university and the other one, uh, he's hanging out with his friends right now. What barriers does an older population face? And I'm thinking 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 uh, with being able to uh, continue with a physical activity lifestyle. And how do you help them overcome those barriers? Well, they do need uh, a support system to guide them. Some people are restarting 
and some people need to adapt what they're already doing. So, um, you know, they need a support system, how to modify the movement so it works for their current level of mobility rather than used to be years ago, doctors would just tell you to stop doing that, stop doing that. But we can modify moves, we can modify different exercises to the current level of mobility. And that's where a trainer can safely instruct properly adapted moves that will still progress you and at an appropriate pace as well. I, I love that. My dad was recently visiting me. He is uh, 81 and his mind is somebody who's really young, but you can see his body struggling a little bit. Um, and uh, the beauty of him, he's, he still talks about, yeah, I really need to get back into shape. And he says, I need to start going for longer walks again. And for that, he means like three, four, five kilometers. I'm like, you go dad. Like, don't tell yeah. me, don't anyone tell you to sit down now that you're 81 and you know, sit in your rocking chair because you deserve it. So I love that you're promoting that. Yeah. It's great when you can connect with all ages too. So that's what sport will bring together, different age groups working together rather than putting you, when we talked about the male, female um, slots to put in, same with age groups. You go to a lot of events and there's people of all ages, um, involved in sport and athletics together and that keeps your mind a, young that keeps your mind young too i actually just saw a short video uh shared by one of our previous guests but it's called uh the last last hike and it's a gentleman and he actually just set the age record for the oldest person to do a through hike on the appalachian trail and it oh, was just cool. like it was so mind-blowing and motivational for like a gentleman of his age, I can't remember. I want to say in his late eighties to early nineties, was solo right. hiking this with support at each section. But man, I just I loved it because he was so sharp um, mentally. But you know what we have to stop saying is, oh, that was so great for his age. Think about hiking that trip at any age. Yeah, but you do that at ninety-two. It's a whole. It's I a know, whole different but it's thing. An accomplishment. Um, so what I'm saying is not to say, oh, that's great for your age. Yes. It's just great. It's just it great. Right. <laughs> so I'm kind of the food guy here, uh, on the podcast. Okay. And I know that you're passionate about food because, uh, you're passionate about weight management. So yes. what are some kind of mistakes or misconceptions, can't pronounce that word tonight, um, that people make when they're looking at weight management and when they're looking at their food? Well, it's a confusing issue these days. We actually have an overload of information in the media every single day on Facebook, on Instagram, in the newspapers, on the radio. There's all sorts of information out there, but it can be challenging to know if the source of it is valid. Is it backed by an advertiser that's pushing a product? Um, what does it mean to me? It can be challenging to understand how do I apply the knowledge to yourself? So weight management differs from dieting. Uh, you learn how to eat balanced macronutrients, understanding your need for carbohydrates, fat, and protein that will properly fuel your activities without drastically eliminating any food groups. Um, a lifestyle plan that you can live with daily should be the goal. 
a lot of people say that physical health starts in the gym and weight management starts in the kitchen. Is it possible for someone to out gym a poor diet? Not really. Not usually. Yeah. Maybe when you're young and you put a few pounds on and you think you'll just go burn it off at the gym, but our metabolism starts to slow down and everything catch up, catches up with us and bad lifestyle catches up with us. Um, we often pick up bad lifestyles, even from our own family. So weight, while well, weight loss may be the goal, um, the type and the amount of food um, will determine your body composition, no matter what exercise you do. Um, even though, as you say, you want to lose weight, but as far as your body composition, um, your fat to muscle ratio, the more lean muscle on the body, the higher the metabolism. So someone who has higher muscle mass and then someone else, and they're both just standing there doing no exercise, but the one who exercises regularly is going to burn more calories just at rest even. So their metabolism is going to be higher. So now that said, it doesn't mean you can't schedule in treats for yourself. Nobody becomes obese because they have the odd occasional indulgence. And I always say to be careful of the word occasional. Be rational about it and make sure that it is occasional. But then also no one remains lean while eating the occasional healthy meal. So you have to have some consistency. It must be habit. You have to learn what you like that is healthy and you have to live without what is harmful to you. So food can heal us or it can harm us. I just ask a real quick question about that just because Christmas is around the corner and uh how do you manage people who say hey uh Tara I want to lose 20 pounds in three weeks um can I hire you and uh we're good to go (laughs) how do you deal with those people my first question will be why three weeks or four weeks like something unrealistic but yeah if it's unrealistic I'll say why what what what's that date and do we have to stay fast to that and, and then we'll see, you know, I'll, I'll tell them whether I think it's realistic or not. Generally, that's not realistic. Um, so I will try to express what I think is realistic. And this is how we can go about it. Um, as far as the Christmas scenario, um, that you're setting yourself up if, you're, if your weight loss is your goal most of the time for failure during Christmas. We do have indulgements. You can, you don't have to gain weight, but weight loss is a challenging thing. So you are gonna have your treats, have a taste and know when to stop, understand what's really important for you to try and what really isn't. Um, you, you, you start to set um, barriers with people too. So you don't let people pushers go beyond what you're comfortable in your own lifestyle too. And there's a lot of alternative recipes nowadays that we can look at that aren't as bad as we, uh, as we think for our health and are just as enjoyable. So it's great to search some of those out. And sometimes the person you're working with for nutrition can help you with that. That's awesome. I find personally potlucks are my worst enemy come Christmas time. Um, And talking about indulgements, we're just getting rid of our Halloween candy still. Um, (laughs) 
So it seems like there's one thing after the other, but definitely leaning on a personal trainer um, is, is helpful to get you through that. Um, and recently you've had to take your personal training online. How have you done that? And how have people embraced the online experience? Well, that was a real shock for the whole industry. Uh, the whole industry went along with quite a set way of doing things, which, you know, it has actually opened some things up while it's been a challenge in other cases. So like a lot of people, not like you, Jess, because you're, you're great at that. But like many, technology actually is not my strong point at all. But we can't ignore tools that, in fact, make fitness more accessible to people. So I've taken some of my classes and my personal training online via Zoom, WhatsApp, and, and FaceTime. Uh, depending on where people are located, uh, all the different things, might one might be better suited for them or their level of comfort as well, their Wi-Fi, their internet. Um, uh, so although a few were resistant at the beginning, uh, once they have that initial learning curve conquered, some of them actually now prefer it online. Uh, they like the uh, convenience of being in their home and just, you know, going into the next room and saving time in transit. When we have a snowstorm, they don't have to get to my studio. So, um, you know, it's it's going to stay for a while. You know, we don't want to uh, to go backwards. So do you see it as an avenue for you to continue or when the time comes, do you see yourself moving strictly to in-person again, or do you see it kind no, of being a balance? I see it as a, as a balance. I think training will continue as a hybrid of both online and in studio. Um, Cause I've reached clients from all over. I've had Chicago's in or clients in Chicago, Texas, Kingston, Ontario, Ottawa, Toronto, Collingwood. Um, so if I were to just go back to the in-studio, it would be like saying to my online people, sorry, I'm done. And and then you wouldn't be there for them. Mm -hmm. So um, so we're going to keep a hybrid. Um, of course, one-on-one -on -one in the studio, it removes your home distractions. It provides more equipment options. And assessment one-on-one -on -one is more direct with the client so it is still a great way to work but we have options now so we'll move forward without throwing out the things from the past as well that's fantastic yeah 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 I'd love that I'd love how you and, and I feel like the word of the last two years has been pivot but I'd love how you're able to pivot and embrace it and see, hey, you know what, this is an avenue to be able to continue on so that you can reach those clients in Texas and Collingwood and, you know, Tuk to Yuk Tuk or wherever it is that right. people are tuning in from. Well done. Um, earlier your on podcast. this podcast, pardon me. Yes, exactly. Like a podcast. I'm talking to you and, and everyone else in the comfort of my home. Uh, earlier on this podcast, we, start, we spoke with uh, Tracy Stewart and Tracy is a former Olympian. And she mentioned something that really resonated with me, and that was to find joy in what you do, particularly in physical activity. Um, and so what are your thoughts with that statement about finding joy? And how do you help people find joy in physical activity? Well, I mean, uh, Tracy is totally correct. You, you certainly need to find joy in what you do, especially the Olympic level. They put so many hours into their training that 
they better find joy in it. So often um, the question you'll get asked from people, one of the first ones is, what's the best thing I can do? What's the best form of exercise? And it's like, oh boy, that's a big question. So my first answer starts with, what do you like to do? What do you like to do? What, can, what gives you joy? So you're more likely to stick with something you enjoy. You're more likely to want to progress with it if it gives you joy. Now, joy is a different thing um, because some people, you'll say the word exercise and they'll say, joy does not come to mind with exercise. So sometimes the joy is in, we go back to the mental health aspect. It's in the solitude and it's in the escape from routine and responsibilities of, you know, a high stress situation, job, family, whatever, the responsibilities of the day. Um, sometimes the joy is in the social setting of interacting with a group, um, it's a, either just a group workout um, or a sporting event, uh, challenging and pushing people on, or that sense of camaraderie of doing something together where, yes, you're active, but you're really thinking about everybody together. Or we've also talked about the joy and that sense of empowerment of that achievement of even just that single thing in that day, maybe not even the long range, but what I did today that I had a tough day and you know, I got through that workout and it's not so bad. So joy can be in all of those things. I love it. And the sense that I get is that joy is contagious as well. And so by right. you being there, it, 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 uh, transfers into those people you're working with. So, um, and I can completely see that about you bringing joy to others. Tara, we always want our, our uh, the people who's listening to the podcast to find our guests. So how do people find you? And I'm really curious, how did somebody from Texas find you? Um, and if they have questions uh, about physical activity or wanting you to train them, uh, are you okay to share the information about how to contact you? You bet. So I am found on Facebook under my own name, Tara Imerson, um, and Instagram also under Tara Imerson. And it's public. You don't even have to friend me because what I put on there is uh, fitness and lifestyle oriented. I don't put personal things up there. So I leave it completely public for anybody to view, even if you just want to creep me, if you're shy and you want to <laughs> want to see what's going on, you can do that. Um, you can reach me by email. Uh, it's Tara Imerson at hotmail.ca. Um, and, uh, my phone, my phone, you can call me or text me 519-939-3486. Um, I work uh, a lot on a referral basis. When we talk about the consults, often, uh, someone comes to me because someone else has worked with me. Uh, the person in Texas has a friend uh, up here who is has a home in Toronto and in Dufferin County. Uh, and they found me through that. And then uh, another referral for somebody in Ancaster. So referrals are a great way to, to start. Don't be afraid to ask whether it's whether it's me or someone else. That's that's a great way. Um and again, we talk about that consultation being so important. So the consultation um, is, is offered and it's always suggested for those looking to train. Uh, sometimes it's just figuring out, you, you may not want to do personal training, but you're trying to figure out 
what sort of class should I take? Where would I fit? And we can, I can help you with that as well. Um, I've got an exciting 30 year promotion coming up to look for. So watch for that on social media. We'll be inviting you to join along, whether it's your first time, whether you were a client years ago, I'm going to be chatting about people who have mentored me over the years about those beginnings back in those first classes um, where we used to do high impact fitness on concrete floors um, and where we've come from. And that um, I'm just going to invite you to join in the journey as I continue. Um, time goes on and we're just going to keep up with it. Uh, I, you just, I just had a flashback of my, oh my gosh, I should find that, that picture of my satiny aerobic suit, you know, the one piece with the bicycle tights underneath that yes. everybody wore yes. oh with the big hair and the headband, headband. <laughs> yeah. and the leg warmers. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that girl surprisingly was me. Jane Fonda. Yeah. Wow. Um, Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. I truly, I love your athleticism and your encouragement. Um, I, I've had the opportunity to run across you many times uh, through skiing on the trails or, you know, even, and we haven't talked about this, Tara is also a competitor in the SUP world as well. Um, so even on the water, and uh, I love how you've always been very encouraging because, um, you know, short story, we met at Island Lake and, and you were really passionate about helping my husband, who's, you know, relatively new in the SUP world and giving him tips and, you know, offering to, to help him come out as well. So thank you. You've always offered a, a wonderful smile, advice and an encouraging comment. Well, thank you for having me. I just want um, I just, I, I just want people to in, enjoy the physical benefits of being active. And if we can help anybody in any way, that's a great thing. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tara. Thank that's you, Tara. awesome. Thank you. Thank you for watching and listening to this week's episode of the Food and Fitness Podcast. Join us next week when the hosts of the Food and Fitness Podcast sit down to reflect in our team huddle episode. 